Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Dry Age Steaks used to be a steakhouse-only indulgence. An old-world charcuterie was pricey due to being imported or created at a small batch-specific scale. Thanks to Umai Dry, their synthetic dry aging bags and casings allow you to create these meat-crafting treats in your own kitchen. Working in tandem with your fridge, the Umai Dry bag material allows moisture and air to pass through, making it possible to dry-age large cuts of steaks or roasts. Paired with their curing and seasoning kits, along with safe and easy-to-follow instructions, salamis and dry sausage are well within your grasp. Use the link in the show notes and sign up for the newsletter to receive 10% off your order. Umai Dry, helping us elevate our wild game from the home kitchen. When in the field, accuracy and precision count. That's why we switch our slug guns to rifled barrels, tune our arrows, and use a fish finder on the water. But why should our drive for control end there? The Tappacue line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and the cooking chamber. Tappacue uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the U.S., along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a Tappacue meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit tappacue.com or find the link in the show notes and use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your cue. Welcome to the Hunt of Ore podcast, powered by Sportsman's Empire, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 120, Emperor's Table Series, Nathan, Micah, and Andy, Missouri Woods and Waters. On this episode of Huntivore, the Emperor's Table continues to fill up as the Missouri Woods and Waters hosts, Nathan, Micah, and Andy, join Nick for a fantastic chat. We talk about celebration meals, including Nathan enjoying venison steak with his boy. Things even get a little sideways as Nick loses power, but the gang finishes with their submission to the Emperor's Table. Join us for a great episode of Huntivore. And before we start, we all know that word-of-mouth advertising is the best way to share something with new folks. Your ratings and reviews help immensely in being able to share with more people. Could I ask for a five-star? Could I ask for a few words in a review? Please? Both would be so appreciated. 
The more people who get fired up about their harvest, the better. Now, on with the show. You should always watch your mouth. Uh, watching mouths? Nah. Uh, colorful, colorful language paints a beautiful picture. But okay. at the same oh, time, gosh. if you Don't overdo red, it does kind of leak into everything. Well, I, I get it. Sometimes I get a little hot whenever it comes about cooking meat. Well, so depends what's in that Sonic cup for you. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, shoot. When you're making sausage, the whole process is one giant innuendo. So there's got to be a little <laughs> bit of a play when you're going along with that. If you're too much stuck up, then yeah, things then things seem fake at that point. No, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and well, if, hey, if Mike has anything, oh. he's stuck up. Ain't yeah. no <laughs> That's me. <laughs> well, hey, folks, beautiful evening here in Michigan. I tell you what, it is coming down tonight. We are getting probably a half inch of ice. So if all of a sudden this episode ends abruptly, it's because we lost power. But hopefully that never has to happen. Uh, fingers crossed for another snow day today or snow day tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but that's our neck of the woods here in Michigan. Tonight, we're going to travel a little bit south here. We're going to head down uh, a few clicks. We're heading down into Missouri. I am joined with the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. I'm joined with Nathan, Micah, and Andy. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on tonight. Uh, Micah, what are the conditions down there in Missouri? Are you looking at... Are you looking at warm temps, or are you guys getting some of this uh, snow and rain, this bad weather? We're not supposed to get the bad wet. Well, I we got rain all day today for the majority of it, and then it got up to probably about 65 degrees and sunny there for a bit. A little breezy. Tomorrow, it's supposed to drop off a little bit, and I think Friday morning, I think we're having a dip of like 15 degrees or something. But then come Saturday, we're going to be back in the 50s and 60s. It's hilarious, Nick, that you asked Micah <laughs> this question because no joke, we have an inside joke with a buddy of ours. We were coyote hunting with our buddy named uh, Daryl. And Daryl was like, which way is the wind coming out of? And so the truck is moving and Micah rolls the window down, sticks his hand out of the window, goes, <laughs> coming straight at us. <laughs> no and and Daryl goes, huh? goes, oh, really, Brian Busby? <laughs> Brian I Busby, think, he's a, I think you, know, you got a future in uh, weather. I think I could do it. <laughs> he goes, oh, you're a regular old Brian Busby over here. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, Beautiful. I'm glad I picked our uh, our expert here to uh, let us know what's going on outside. Is the weather rock? Is it is it wet, Micah? Is that what I wanted to know? It's it's dry by now. <laughs> dry it dry, by it's now. dry. It dried. Everything else is wet. Been walking around in mud all day, so that's been fun. Well, good deal. Um, well, thanks again, guys, for coming on um, the Missouri Woods and Waters. I mean, we can already tell that it's it's specifically about uh missouri and what's going on but nathan give us a, a dive into um a little bit about you guys how'd you get started where where did three guys like you decide that podcasting was going to be something that you wanted to to partake in i mean here it is a hobby of a hobby like you basically you guys are talking about your lifestyle how did this all start out well that's a good way to put it Honestly, when I decided to start it, I, I took a gun over to Micah and Andy's houses and held it to their heads until they said yes. But um, 
it's, I mean, it, it's not really a long story, but it kind of is. So, give them the Reader's Digest. Yeah, yeah. Micah is my brother-in-law. Andy is my cousin-in-law. I'm married to Andy's first cousin, and he's married to my sister. Micah's married to my sister. So, I'm an in-law to both of them. And we've been doing different types of hunting together for a while. Mainly elk hunting is how I got started. And then the coyotes and deer stuff just kind of we're always talking about it we've got an extended group of friends that we do this as well with and uh i happen to be on a podcast in 2018 called nine finger chronicles some guy named kind of a a little bit of a loser but hey you know (laughs) it's what it is really enjoyed my time with him and and after it was over he kind of thought i did a good job and you know you should think about doing this well, I talked to a few people at the time. I don't even know if I even brought it up to you guys at that time back then. We were literally like 10th and 12th on the list. Everyone else said no. Right. No, I mean like any, brought it up to anybody. I don't think so. Anyway, I just sat on it for two years. And then 2020, I don't know how it came up again. Um, I think we just. I think Dan was starting to reach out and try to find right, like right. state specific stuff. He's building the empire. Yeah. Right. Building the empire. And uh, the, the emperor was expanding his uh, empire and us three, I, I don't know, we just had a conversation and, you know, we kind of always wanted to try something. Um, we had a, a little outdoor group that, that Andy actually started years ago um, with two other buddies of ours. And we never, we just, you know, we just decided to start it. I mean, I don't know, 2020, we just finally decided to spend the money on the equipment and give it a shot. And 147 episodes later, here we are. Here we are. I mean, we're texting and talking about it constantly anyway, and it's right. like, might as well do something. Might as well hit a record button yeah. on this somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. Might- Absolutely. There are, pe- there are a bunch of people like myself that always want to tune in and talk hunting and fishing. Um, my commute is always filled with some sort of outdoors, whether it's outdoor cooking, whether it's jumping on the, uh, the empire and just seeing who's next in the lineup, you know, and you guys, you know, pop up quite frequently. And it's just stuff that even though it's a hobby, it, it helps my heart pump. It gets my blood flowing, uh, to think about just being outside chasing critters, whether it's going to be small game, whether it's going to be large game, big or big game, Whatever it is, like that gets my blood flowing. So to know that there are other gentlemen and ladies in that same boat is just awesome to have. So yeah. I know the content you guys create, like you just said, hundred and how many hundred and forty seven episodes since twenty. By the time this comes out, it'll be one forty seven. Yeah, we've um, that's my one claim to something I want to. I personally want to get done is when we started on Memorial Day in two thousand and twenty. We have not missed a week since, and that's kind of my my goal is to to get to 200 without missing a week and we're three quarters of the way there basically and you know there's some weeks that it's difficult for us all three of us are very busy people i've got four children micah has three andy's got two one of them being a baby um and andy also has basically two full-time jobs he's a farmer and has a full-time job micah's got a full-time job and three children i've got a full-time job and four children and so we're always, you know, like our schedules never work, but somehow we make it, it, we make it happen. Yeah. Somehow we make yeah. it work. 
priority takes precedent. And as much as like, it, it's just an extended, well, shoot for in your case, it is an extended part of your family. Here you guys are. I mean, it's like a tall, skinny oak tree that I'm looking at right now. Your guys are all related in some fashion. So it's, <laughs> it's fun to see that not only are you making time for your family, uh, your immediate family, but at the same time, finding that brotherhood, continuing to instill in others, because I mean, end of the day too, we love the camaraderie. We love the uh, the ability to just have this brothership with other people, other fellows that love the outdoors. I think that gets us up in the morning. As much as I want to say our family uh, does that for us as well, something to get energized, something to just be able to hang out and, I don't know, build into each other. Just like you were yeah. saying, you're having a great time in the truck ride, uh, talking about the weather and then busting Micah's balls like, that in itself is a story you guys hold on to as silly as it is that just builds you up and so yeah yeah, that's i think that's half of the outdoors right there is being able just to be together usually you know you you termed it as a hobby right and most of the time hobbies are something you're very passionate about and all three of us our hobby is is hunting and all three of us are passionate about it i mean so it's easy to talk about something you love it's more, I mean, a, it's more, I'd say it's more of an obsession, honestly. Addiction? <laughs> yeah, addiction. Yeah. Addiction, something, yes. Something along those lines. <laughs> at least it's not cocaine and hookers. Like we're on, uh, we're at least on something healthy. <laughs> right. That's right. Right. That's uh, that's what my wife, or my, my mother-in-law tells my wife when we're out hunting and stuff, you know, it gets daunting. We're gone quite a bit, especially the night hunting. Mm-hmm. I've been in trouble a couple of times, coming back late from thermal hunting and my mother-in-law calms down my wife. He's like, well, at least he wasn't out at the bar or doing something stupid. <laughs> Which never makes anybody feel better. <laughs> it doesn't help, but I I feel like I have a point. Yeah, see, I could be doing that shit. Right. There you go. <laughs> at least you appreciate the effort. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's run down the lineup here. I'm going to start with Andy. Andy, give me your species of choice of the year. What is your favorite species to go after? Man, that's a hard one just because I do like doing all of them. I mean, I, I participate in about as much as I can. Um, just I'd, I'd have to go with coyotes right now. I mean, just because I can hunt them all year long, uh, the adrenaline rush. Um, I don't know. I like the tactical aspect of it. And uh, like I said, it, it, it's something you can do constantly. Yeah, I got my first chance to go behind an infrared scope and join a friend who's very much like you guys he's got a like a setup he's actually he's got a couple setups where you know you got the tripod you got the rifle and it's got i had the infrared and um he just purchased one of the thermal scopes and for him to just be scanning the field and he's like oh go ahead and look over uh in this corner of the field tell me what you see and you know i scan my my light over there i gotta i gotta actually zoom it in or excuse me narrow it down but i'd see like this flickering eye and he's like tell me what you see over there he's teaching me along as as i'm trying to get uh used to my bearings behind that and to be like oh oh, there's something living over there and to zoom in and be like oh it's just a rabbit it's okay it's just a rabbit uh i think (laughs) i think we pulled up a, a possum at one point so it was just like we were seeing stuff we heard coyotes we didn't have any come in but i can I can definitely get behind you when you're saying like that there is a thrill and there's a, 
I don't, it's a definitely a team coordination aspect where he was saying, Hey, point your muzzle over here, you know, check this corner for me. Um, cause I'm going to be swinging over here. And it was just really fun to have that communication teamwork. It's, you don't get a lot of that when you're yeah. archery hunting for whitetails, but at the same time, you really get a chance to, to work together. And that's, that's just a cool aspect. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Micah. What uh? What do you like to chase? I mean, I'm propane trucks. <laughs> I don't chase them. I drive them. <laughs> He's chasing them. There's something wrong. Yeah, that's a bad day. Um, but no, I mean, whitetail is probably my number one coming in second. It's probably coyotes. I mean, we're getting more and more of that. But uh, whitetail is my probably my number one passion for sure specifically archery i prefer chasing them with a bow rather than a rifle but i'm not afraid to get out the boomstick either good deals that. good deal there's no big bucks in missouri i hear i hear they're all uh, nope. they're, they're no, like no. michigan real don't, small don't know why people don't know why people come here <laughs> yeah, yeah I'd, I'd, they all went to kansas yeah i'd go over there <laughs> if i were you <laughs> and then rounding it out nathan what's your what's your species of choice there man well i hate i you know kind of like andy i hate um answering because uh all three of us are very similar you know i love coyote whitetail and elk hunting um elk hunting i'm not going to answer just because we only get to do it for seven to ten days out of every year but um coyote hunting and whitetail hunting are so different that that's why it's easy to answer either of them but my original passion you know if you held a gun to my head once again i'm going to use that metaphor and said you can only hunt one thing for the rest of your life you can't do anything else I'm going to keep whitetail hunting. So I'm going to say whitetail. Um, but like Micah just said, boy, that coyote stuff is really fun and, and it's really close second for me. Honestly, it's tied for first, but you told me to answer one. So I'm going to say whitetail. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, say good. We'll do about good. anything other than, I mean, we just really don't bird hunt, whether it's waterfowl. Yeah, or we don't. Open birds. We're just not big bird hunters. And uh, I mean, I've been a handful of times and it's a great time, but we don't have like, you know, back in the day, you know, you hear the farmers and everybody, we used to have good right. amounts of quail and pheasants in some parts of the state, but, uh, uh, I, we grew up in a time when, you know, quail are, you know, slim to none type thing. If you wanted to shoot a quail, you had to go buy a quail and then go put the quail out in the field <laughs> sort of thing. So it wasn't, it was a little different, but, uh, bird, bird hunting is fun, uh, but it's just not something that we get to do a lot of. It definitely seems like a pastime gone to the past, more or less that it's a lot of preservation, a lot of trying to reintroduce. Um, I know even in, in Michigan, same same story. Uh, they feel like they're you're you get to go up north for grouse, but even at that point, bag limits are real small. Um, you try to get into yeah, quail was a, a bygone thing at this point. Very rare that you ever see a quail. Um, I know we're, we've got some really uh, big pheasant introduction that's going on, which, I mean, that's either here or there. Uh, it's it's a non-native. There's not a lot of area where it's going to be able to take off. Mm -hmm. um, farming is real clean if it's going to be a large farm, and so, like, there's yep. not a lot of habitat. And even in, I mean, shoot, you guys are in the grain belt right there in Missouri that if you're if it's not a highland or a lowland, you know, where you've got an oak flat, you guys are looking at, you know, cornfields or you're looking at hay fields or even soybean that it's the fact that, man, everybody wants to glean off of it and there's not a lot that they can leave out there 
for stuff. Yeah. And but it is cool, like just how much, how many options there are out there for people. Mm-hmm. You know, the all the waterfowl, goose, duck. Uh, my cousin uh, Jody went uh, snow goose hunting yesterday oh, really? or today, one of the two. And you know, heck, our buddy Daryl that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Guess what he likes the most? Bow fishing. Bow fishing. Yeah. If you if you told him you could only do one thing forever, he's ready to get on a boat. You know, and it's just cool all the different things that that one can do in the outdoors and you know what other people love i mean i've got some buddies that are crazy goose hunters that i'm just like man i don't i don't get it but Wake it is what it is two o'clock in the morning <laughs> to go set out a bunch of decoys to freeze your butt off in the freezing rain yeah i mean i'd do it don't get me wrong i'd try it but and everybody that does it says it's the best thing ever so yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're missing out on I something. It could be. Yeah, we're uh, those out. blinds. Those blinds get pretty comfy. You know, you, like, yeah. it's the ones where they get to pop down underneath. Like they've got the the roof mm-hmm. over the top of them, but then underneath, oh yeah, there's a grill going. <laughs> yeah, somebody's cooking. Someone's making coffee. Like okay, that I can get behind that. Yeah, oh, yeah if sure. I'm gonna... it would be nice not having to try to trick an animal's nose for once in my life. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> that real challenge that you're trying to go for yeah well gentlemen um i know nobody can see this but we're gonna play a quick little game of who is the culinary master of the group i'm gonna go ahead and have whoever thinks they're the best cook go ahead and raise their hand oh look at that micah he lifts his hand right up and the two other agree they agree with him micah favorite protein to play with what is that (laughs) Decide what's in your pants. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, probably beef. Definitely beef. I I do. I end up doing a lot of chicken a lot of times, and obviously venison. When I got it this year, did not get the chance to harvest anything, so I didn't get to play with too much venison. Um, But I also, and I just bought a whole hog. So I've been playing around with a lot of different pork cuts as well. So, but beef, I enjoy beef the most. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, are we talking steaks? Are we talking um, anything? Are, are, anything. You get into the brisket where you're doing more of the yep. low and slow, the work stuff of it. I, I, don't let him get it wrong. He prides himself in his tongue. I can cook a beef tongue that would make your tongue slap you in the face with it i mean it, it's amazing i was trying to think of a saying that i've heard one time but i couldn't remember it so i came up with that debacle <laughs> all uh, of us in but, this room are now stupider after <laughs> I, I i do i can make a mean t- cow tongue beautiful beautiful so if we were gonna let, let's break this down a little bit when you're when you're cooking this tongue um is it more or less you're going low and slow so that you can extract the meat from the inside because you got to get that that thick casing of skin on the outside, or is it low and slow because it's just a hard worked muscle essentially that we got to break down this tissue, we got to break down that connective that connectivity inside there. The way I do it is I actually uh, boil it first in seasoning. Uh, if you look on YouTube or something, a lot of times they'll just boil it in straight water. And I think what helps my process is I'll actually boil it in some type of seasoning, depending on what flavor profile I want to go with. So I'll boil it until I can pull the skin off and then I will throw it on the smoker for a few hours. Usually, I mean, by the time it's done boiling, you could get the skin. It's pretty much well cooked, 
but it will take on a little bit more of that. It does take some of that smoke in still. Okay. Um, so and then I'll, you know, like I said, I'll put it on the smoker for a few hours until I get the crust that I'm looking for. So Gotcha. So the inside that when you, when you actually cut into this thing, um, let's say, let's say you didn't add the smoke, okay. you just peel and you just cut. Talk to me a little bit about that flavor you're going to, or excuse me, texture that you're going to get off of that flavor. We've already introduced that. We, we kind of understand right. what the flavor we're going to get, but for someone who's trying to necessarily use tongue more, because that's, I, that's a cut that a tongues are cheap, but then B every deer's got a tongue. Yeah. There's going to be a, yep. there's going to be a great translation, uh, from this, if we're going to try to try to use that. I haven't, which Andy, he just, I don't know if anybody heard, but he asked about done deer tongue and I haven't yet. If I was going to, if I got a deer this year, I was planning on cooking the tongue, but, uh, no, uh, tongue is, it's, it's a hard to explain texture. Did you lose power there, bud? Yes, I did. <laughs> in the dark. We are running, we are running off of, uh, what are we running off? Battery power here of the phone. The phone has got... We're going to keep rolling, folks. Okay. <laughs> how, how do you have internet right the now? The show goes on. I'm going off my hotspot of my phone. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> so we'll get back after it. What was the question again? Ah, uh, man. Yeah, man. texture of the tongue. Yeah. Um, I would consider, like, cow tongue, It's very. if you do it right, it's really, really tender, and it kind of just melts in your mouth a little bit. Come Almost like a like a beef fat is what I would consider depending on what part of the tongue, if you're more towards the tip, it gets a little bit more chewier just because it's, you know, it's usually cooked the most. But then once you get to the back of the base, that's when that's the piece I like the most. Cause it's kind of, it's kind of like a fat texture and uh, just kind of melts in your mouth. Gotcha. Um, Nick sorry. did say we can make jokes. Yes. <laughs> I'm having a hard time. Just keeping no, you're straight. fine, man. <laughs> Well, that's good to know because, yeah, that's something that, you know, I, I've pulled the tongue out of a deer and I've gone just as far as, as what you had, you have gone, where I boiled it, I was able to skin it, and then I just put, rather than go to the smoker, just went to a cast iron and basically just seared the outside to get a crust, cut it up. I bet it, that'd be pretty good. It did a good job. I would equate it to like a calamari. Almost, it had it had a bit of chew to it, and the chew okay. was good. We enjoyed it because it does let you enjoy that flavor because it's such a hard. I mean, a deer's always using the tongue to feed and to move around, so it's it's constantly getting worked. But you got to taste that flavor of of like a hard worked muscle, but at the same time, it had just a. It wasn't necessarily chewy, but it had a little bit of of a tackiness to it. So that's a great way to know like hey if it's once you boil it boil it like you said boil it in seasoning get it to your uh get it to your smoker and give it a little while longer some maybe a mm -hmm. little bit of that low and slow is going to help you know kind of alleviate a little bit of that chew to it but at the same time i think that's gonna like you just said pop with that flavor as you were going oh, yeah. with it yep for sure season profile what are you going with that micah uh I used to be one of those guys that just loved making their own seasonings and just throwing a bunch of stuff together. The older I get, the more I realize that 
it's kind of hard to perfect some of the stuff that's already out there. So I've started using, it's either, I think it's kinder or kinder seasoning, but it's a buttery steak seasoning. And so I will boil the tongue in that buttery steak seasoning. And then I will throw just like a barbecue rub on it when I put it onto the smoker. So, and I mean, hog hogs, uh, seasoning, that's pretty good. I, it just depends. It depends on, you know, I'll whatever's pick, in the pantry, whatever's in the pantry when it comes to, you know, I try to buy a bunch just of different brands and I'll just mix play with all of them, but mm-hmm. some type of barbecue seasoning usually. And I mean, we're in Kansas city, so obviously we got quite a selection when it comes to that type of stuff. You are in ground zero when it comes to somebody trying to make something of their own. Like you said, like I could, you could spend the time and try to make your own yeah. recipe, but shoot, there's hundred different recipes waiting in line for you to try out. Right. Exactly. Yep. Well, good deal. Um, you, so you said beef from a, from a Missouri guy. I thought pork would be king up there oh, or is it kind of uh, back and forth? Nah, I would think we're probably really known for our brisket. I would think Missouri is, you know, like our burn ends and stuff. Those are really popular, obviously ribs, but those are a staple everywhere. I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, any any place you go barbecue, they're going to have ribs, brisket and some type of pulled pork. Usually you got to think that KC stockyards, you know, that was, I mean, it was, I mean, we were the headquarters for one of the biggest beef depots, however you want to call it. You back know, in the day, yeah. Now, Missouri day. has a lot of pork, but yeah. they are uh, corporate owned, and so they are mass produced, as opposed to ra- as opposed to like raised on the farm for indiv- individual uh, consumption. Right. We have, I mean, half of our family and friends probably uh, raise beef, and you can buy custom beef from them. Have it sent to the butcher. Have it cut exactly how you want from their cut sheet. You can do it with hogs too, but it's just not as common. Right. right. Not everybody gotcha. has feeder pigs. Uh, but I'd say, you know, like I said, we have an abundance of people right. that have a, a butcher beef or butcher beef that you can uh, buy off of them. Go to the butcher of your choice. And if you want get your steaks you want. cut at two inches, you can get it. If you want them cut at three inches, you can get it. I mean, you, you get your cut sheet the way you want it and uh, get your ribs, you know, what the whatever right. cuts and parts whatever you, you want, want, you can get that custom. And I know that's every word can do that, but uh, it's very popular in, in where we're at. I would I would say in our area, especially, and maybe even the entire state, for every one hog farmer, there's a hundred cow farmers. I agree. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's 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 a it's a big disparity. Yep. Yeah. My buddy, he actually uh, the one I got the hog from. This was his first year. He bought three pigs. Uh, he uh, raised them in his backyard and did their own mm-hmm. thing. And yeah. Uh, he kind of want. He asked me first before he did. He's like, "Hey, you want to buy one of these pigs?" And you know, obviously, when it's done, you can have it. And he's like, "I didn't want to get just two pigs." And I was like, "Sure, man." So I ended up getting the biggest pig out of the litter <laughs> somehow. And uh, and it's getting more common. It really it's is. I mean, well, I think people people want to know where their meat's coming from for the most part, or you know, the major the people we hang around, anyways. Like mm-hmm. I can tell you, I could I could go out. I get my beef from his father in law, actually. And I could go out in there and be like, I want that one right there if I wanted to. So uh, that's definitely a bonus, yeah. I think. Awesome. Yeah, I think you hit that nail head or nail right on the head with saying that people want to know where their meat is coming from. They want to 
be able to know the rancher. They want to be able to know who's cutting it, who's growing it. And that's that's a trend I think is just going to continue to grow and grow and grow, especially when you have small pockets like that of people growing beef. Um, that's a that's a tough one to get a hold of. It's, you know, such big animal, big investment that you have to go into. And yeah, I mean, pork is easy, but like you said, it's owned by corporate around you guys. It's hard to get a hold of that. So going with the beef is is the big deal there. Translating that, right. if you've got so many custom butchers near you guys, or just even having the relation to these these butchers, um, when you're getting your venison cut, when you finally get an animal down, you take it to the butchers. If you're getting them processed, what's the cut list look like on your end? Are you also asking for some of these specific cuts, or uh, is it very similar to kind of like just processors across the board where – uh, you're going to get back what they normally cut. You, you're going to have a, a preset cut list. I, know, I, I think we've gotten blessed with processors around our area because of the beef. Mm-hmm. Now, there are processors out there that won't touch deer. They are strictly, you know, beef. But um, the the one we use, what I like about them is – when you take your deer in, you are getting your deer back. You're not getting a conglomeration of a bunch of deer that got put, you know, processed together. And they have a pretty detailed spec sheet. Like you can, for instance, Nick, I asked you for a recipe on steaks because of my son's first deer this year. I got some medallions and some different cuts of steak um, from the deer that I normally didn't do in the past because either it wasn't an option or it was way too expensive right um to worry about that so um i think it's you know a good thing but yeah i mean almost as much many options as you would with a deer i think or not a deer a beef but that's cool that's cool um you know because just as shoot just as i've gotten more in it it's one of those things like you you buy a you buy a truck with you buy a red truck and all of a sudden you drive around and you just see red trucks everywhere because now you're you're thinking about it you've got one and it just it just matches the more and more that i have gotten deeper and deeper into uh trying to do specialty cuts of deer i'm also rubbing shoulders with people who have experience with that or have tried something new and it's just fun to be able to to glean off these people and shoot to think that micah was the expert in tongues i would never been able to pick that out and just being you know have the opportunity here to talk to to you guys about that that's just a really cool thing that you know not everybody gets a chance to use that piece and i think part of it's just the know-how that we we're not sure how to use it yet so to be able to apply that and to have that translation like you said like you guys got from beef in order in order uh over to whitetail that's a great connection there um yep. One of the one of the questions that I had as we were I've getting on here, the tongue. no, I never have either. And Mike is threatening us that he's going to force us to uh, to, to to have it. But uh, I just got to get some. I've cooked all mine already. <laughs> <laughs> Forced to, Andy. This sounds like an opportunity. I think you're just looking at it at the wrong angle. Like just turn that <laughs> kaleidoscope right. a little bit. Hey, he's offering you a gift of flavor here. I think you need to jump on board with that. I mean, I'm not saying you have to like it. I'm just saying I I have an issue with people that just won't even try something just because of whatever it is, you know? 
So, like, and it's kind of funny looking back, but like at a very young age, uh, my, uh, my parents' friends, they're actually my bosses now. Uh, they, they would just have the weirdest stuff. They had, we've had pancreas. I think it was, we've had cow brain before. Turkey that. fries, which are turkey testicles. Maybe <laughs> you've never had any of those. I did not know and that. like he would just know that. what that was. <laughs> turkey fries? Never heard of turkey fries? I've heard of them. Didn't know that. that was. Yeah, I've heard of mountain oysters. Yeah, mountain oysters is cow <laughs> those, testicles. Yeah. Anyways, so like growing up at a very young age, I was like, I'll try it, and I mean, if I don't like it, I don't like it. I don't have to, you know, continue to eat it. But so I, I kind of have a pet peeve with it. like just try one bite. That's all any anybody that cooks anything that's all they want you to do is they want you to try it they want to they want to get your reaction whether you know maybe they mess something up or whatever the case may be they just want you to know they just want you to try it one time so appease those people even though you don't think it's you know appetizing to you <laughs> absolutely absolutely do you find yourself giving this speech to adults more than you do kids I feel like everybody like puts the kids in the spot like, hey, you got to try this. You got to, you know, be open minded. I feel like I'm I'm talking more to adults when I'm asking them to be more open minded because there are some folks that are just shut off. Like you were just mentioned pancreas. How many people do you know other than, you know, you guys eat pancreas? Never. Not no. you guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was years ago. I mean, yeah. if somebody put it in front of me today, I'd still try it. I couldn't even tell you what it tasted like. It was, it was so long ago. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely, definitely adults. <laughs> Another thing, uh, people eating their steak, well done. Like this guy. I don't eat my steak well done. <laughs> Dude, that drives me. It's like, <laughs> just try it medium rare or rare or whatever I eat my steak medium and he freaks out because his is still mooing when he eats his <laughs> i just think you're missing out on something that i mean i believe is better i guess you know that's not the case for everybody but uh you know that's all i'm saying it's medium <laughs> i took it to 145 last night so this is going to end up at like 150 which is well no i cooked it to 140 knowing it would hit 145 okay and it was terrific <laughs> And he acts like I put briquettes now. I will say back when I first started cooking, yes, I didn't know what I was doing. And it was just, all right, it's black. It looks done. Well, I mean, if you grew, if you grew, up, if you grew up that way, that's when I mean, because my parents, that's how I can't stand anything with soy sauce now. Because growing up, the only anytime my parents would cook anything, they would soak it in soy sauce. Why soy sauce? I have no idea. But they would just soak chicken breast in soy sauce and then they'd cook it. I can't have soy sauce to this day without just be like, ugh. you know, it, I'm just turned off by soy sauce nowadays. It's because oh, man. Of but growing, I think that also did something to me where I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. So I would try different things and different recipes and cooking it different, you know, styles. And, you know, I think that's helped out a lot. Yeah. That's a great it's redemptive good. story there, Micah. just wanted to take a time out and say thank you to the listeners for tuning in it really does mean a lot i would also appreciate that if you haven't already left a rating or review uh to go ahead and do that it all helps folks find us and get on board using and enjoying their wild game more 
feel free to chat with us and ask questions either on Facebook, The Huntivore, or Instagram, at Huntivore. Got a recipe you think is dynamite and want to share? Or have some show topic ideas? Email us at Huntivore at gmail.com. For even more hunting and fishing podcasts by real, relatable sportsmen, head over to Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, which happens to be a 2% for conservation company, who give 1% of their earnings and 1% of their time helping out the wildlife and wild places we all love. Now, back to the show. Question we had uh, coming up here too, like we were just talking about a little bit before we we press record here. Um, somebody's talking about that they cut, they cut their kids' meat and they cut their wife's meat and then presented to the table. And this is just a, a odd thing that, I, or I want to say an odd thing. This is just a funny thing because I have recently just started doing that, mainly because my boys are so rowdy. Um, a fork it can it can actually be a, a dangerous weapon. Weapon, yeah. On the on the table, whether if somebody's trying to steal somebody else's piece of meat or if they're just poking at each other, like all of a sudden the, the fork is now, uh, we got to watch those, but the knives, the knives is something that just doesn't go to the table, uh, just out of pure common sense right now. Uh, I got a third grader, I got a kindergartner and I got a preschooler and they, they're all pretty much raised in the woods We're they're just a bunch of savages, including myself. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get really good at patching drywall here in the next couple of years. But when I bring meat to the table, I have started a on a presentation level, but then B on a necessity, I have started to cut steak and even uh, cut venison at the counter, lay it on the plate, make it all pretty. Even for the kids, they, they enjoy the, the splayed out version of it. But then I'm, I bring that in. So actually there's just, forks and spoons at the mm. table is that something that you've guys am i the only one that's gone deep end on this or have you guys also gone with that knowing that i mean shoot we've got multiple kids here at tables but at the same time micah likes to present i hope just as much as he likes to cook what are you guys uh issue or yeah what are you guys stances on cutting meat at the counter versus at the table i'm actually gonna one-up you <laughs> because i'm Steak night at our house has just turned into that. Now, I will give both my oldest sons credit. Last night, they both learned how to cut a little bit. For whatever reason, it was just the first night where Chase wanted to cut his own, and I'm like, well, let me show you how. And then Caden, you know. But for whatever reason, steak night at our house is I cook the steaks. I come in with the steaks. I start cutting the steaks up, and a plate comes to me, and I give them their meat, and I cut it all the way. Like every piece that they eat has already been cut by dad. So bite size. So bite size, yeah, pieces of meat. And I don't really know how that started. I do know my wife growing up had all of her meat cut by her father uh, <laughs> for as long as I can remember. I don't know if that's how it started with us. Honestly, it's just easier because I'm sitting there. I've got, you know, five steaks or four steaks sitting there and I just start cutting them. I kind of like doing it because guess what I get to do? I get to eat the pieces I really like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this piece looks nice, and I'll pop it in my mouth as I'm cutting. So by he hasn't the time, even got to the table yet, and he's full. Oh, no. I, I get how that goes. Dude, by the time everybody has had their meat, I'm usually full. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I usually just go grab my sides and sit down and eat afterwards because I've already had, you know, a handful of uh, 
nice choice cuts uh, that I'm like, ooh, that one's a nice piece right there. So I don't know. It's just how it works in our family. The kids bring their plates up. I give them their meat. They go sit down and everybody eats. Beautiful, beautiful. Andy, how, what happens at your house on steak night? Are you putting are you putting knives out or are those uh, those relegated to the counter? Uh, you know, usually uh, I'm my wife cuts her own. I cut up my daughter's, and obviously she didn't get a knife. But um, usually, uh, I'll, my wife is very fat adverse, so uh, I will trim the fat off the sides of the meat for. Her. And after that, it's kind of you know what make it a more plateable, so she doesn't have a bunch of leftover fat on the edge that she doesn't like. And then she cuts it up from there. But uh, I usually fend for myself on, you know, my plate space. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm kind of, I kind of, I, I don't know when I started, but I started kind of doing what Nathan does. I, I'm i usually the one that cuts everything up. Uh, same, my wife does not like the fat. I love the fat, so I'll trim it up as best I can, I'll you know. And get I'll, I'll usually cut her, my wife's into strips, and then I have a eight year old, a five year old, and a one year old. So they're usually I'm going to cut that stuff up to bite size for them, um, and then I try to present everything on the table, obviously, and make it look as pretty as possible. But it doesn't work out that way all the time. <laughs> and that's where I fail because I'm just like, bring your plate over here. There's yours. Yeah. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, this brings us to the crescendo of our show. This is where I'm gonna pre- or I'm gonna have you guys present to me your dish submission to the emperor's table. What that's going to oh include? Yeah, yeah, big deal. What this is going to include is it's going to be an ideal situation where somehow all of the creators of Sportsman's Empire have come together uh, to share a meal. And when we're at this meal, we're each bringing a dish that kind of represents uh, our region, represents a little bit about you personally, uh, about the species that you choose to chase, but at the same time, your cooking style, whether it's going to be uh, basic and simple and let the animal speak, or if it's going to be something where you're really going to add some play to it and you're really going to elevate it up. That's totally your choice, but each of you are going to have to bring a dish to this potluck. I'm trying to scan through here. I think Nathan's been pretty quiet. I think we're going to kick it off with Nathan. You're going to be our first submission here. What are you going to be bringing to the emperor's table? Micah taught me how to do this. Like he's taught me most of my cooking things. I recently, probably about a year or more ago, got a Blackstone. Yeah, buddy. Literally changed my life. (laughs) You know? Like like Jesus himself, it has literally changed my life, right? Um, I've gotten r- what I feel like is really good with smash burgers, and I really enjoy making those now for the family. And um, what I like to do is what Micah taught me up uh, in this situation, but I make the smash burgers um, and, you know, butter the, um, Bun. the buns and, and put them on afterwards as well. And then while I'm making the smash burgers, what my wife actually found on a Blackstone group is um, I'll make bacon with the smash burgers. And then some of that bacon, you'll cut it up into really small squares and you'll put corn and the bacon together and cook them together on the Blackstone. And that is a really tasty side that you can have done at the same time the smash burgers are. Um, So I would bring smash burgers, 
and corn and bacon sides. And then you can throw some bacon on your smash burger if you're so inclined. I love it. The bacon corn combo on the griddle. That's a great play right there. That's a great side. Now, are you adding any more seasoning or are you letting the bacon do yeah. all the seasoning? No, right she's got a seasoning she puts in it. I don't even know what it is. Um, she brings the corn out for me and the bacon. I, I lay the bacon out and then she dumps it in and then she's got this little seasoning that she, it's got a little bit of a kick to it, a little bit of red pepper, uh, I, I believe, kick to it. Um, not too hot. We're not huge spicy people, but man, that, that corn side is just, it always hits home. I really enjoy that. And I, it's just a nice compliment to the, uh, the smash burgers, which I just really enjoy just because they, you know, they cook quick. I mean, once you smash them down, it, it doesn't take long to have a meal ready. And when you're busy, it's nice being ready to eat. Sometimes that corn takes longer than the burgers did. Yeah. Getting that protein done fast, quick, and get that hard sear from that Blackstone, you can't beat it. Um, is this with is this with beef, or are you are you playing with venison at this point? It has been with beef, although I am going to try it with venison. Gotcha. Um, I'm a little concerned about it just because of how lean uh, venison is. Just that's my ne- yeah, I was just going to say, that's my next yeah. question. Do you get, when you have ground made, or you make your ground, whichever, whichever it is, uh, you go probably go straight venison. You don't yeah, it, mix it has anything no, in. Yeah, nothing's mixed. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I have found just when I've done it on my Blackstone doing the smash, an 80-20. Try to mimic as much of that fat content as you do with like beef. And mm-hmm. I use a pork back fat. That I mean, that just works so well. It's neutral flavor. I, I feel like I'm a broken record when I talk about this, but yeah, that that pork back fat is just a neutral flavor, so the venison comes out. It's not being masked by a porkiness or like a, a bacon. Like a bacon would totally mask that. Yeah. Or even uh, beef. Beef would overtake that. That. What flavor. if you did like a one to two beef to uh, or venison, two parts of venison to one part beef? Would it still overtake the the flavor? Beef is pretty. Beef can stand alone, and and venison's going to have a tough time hanging on to that. You're going to taste a lot of that beefiness. That's why I mean, that's why uh, smoking. You can use mesquite on beef because it's going to power right through that. It's got such a powerful taste versus venison that you know it, you taste. <laughs> I was to say you really taste venison when you either overcook it or you've got something with age to it. But if you get something that you know you get a uh, a younger doe, you know, any sort of like beef application is probably going to overtake that really quickly. But anyway, I have just found that the pork uh, back fat, I mean, yeah, that's going to be a little bit harder to find for you guys, but that pork back fat works really well when mixing it in to hopefully save those. Nice. Save (laughs) those sliders. All right, Micah, you're up. We've already got sliders down. We've got a corn side. What are you looking to, to bring to this emperor's table? I'm probably going to do a venison bomb. Bag of chips. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, he took mine. (laughs) Andy's got an easy one. I'll I'll get some barbecue chips. (laughs) Uh, But no, I'm going to do a venison bomb. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called anyways. But uh, you take a jalapeno, pour it out, shove it with cream cheese, uh, some probably some sharp cheddar, put a little seasoning in there. And then you get your ground venison and you probably want to cut it with either some pork fat or I have done it with sausage where you just mix pork or venison and pork. You shove, you create an egg 
and it looks like just like a little grenade looking thing, just a ball of meat. And yeah. I'm going to throw that on the smoker. I'm probably going to cook it a little higher, probably around like 300 till that gets done. And whew, as a side, I'm, I've been messing around with what's the little, little potatoes, the little yellow ones. What are they called? Um, the Yukon golds. Yeah. Yukon golds. Baby Yukons. Yeah. Take those, cut those in half, boil them for about 10 minutes, take them out, cover them with seasoning. I usually like salt, pepper, garlic, and paprika. And then throw those in the oven for probably about another 20 to 25 minutes till they get crispy on the outside. Those are like one of my new favorites and the family's favorites. So those those are probably the two things I'm going to do. Yes, we got to start. Those, those venison gotta, bombs are really good. Yeah, the yeah probably. Oh yeah, and I'd probably add some barbecue sauce to those bombs right before they're getting taken off. I'm not a big fan of eating bell peppers, but when Micah made those venison bombs, I ate the whole damn thing. You say bell or jalapeno pepper? I usually use jalapeno. Okay, well the green ones. One time I thought those are jalapenos. Those are jalapenos. Yeah. I ate them. Sometimes you can get. Yeah. It depends on the jalapeno. Sometimes they're not spicy, as yeah. spicy as others. Yeah, it just Seeds depends. And stuff depends. I think right, yeah. they were really good. Yep. Yeah, those I've also heard of those bombs being referred to as uh, armadillo eggs. Um, but anyway, okay. what a sense. <laughs> what a great way to to utilize that. And yeah, to and, and when you like you said you cored out those jalapenos, mm-hmm. you're taking a ton of that spice out of that out of that equation. You know, you, you just a little bit of spice is all you want from that, and that's that's a great way to do that. Yeah, yeah, and that cream cheese that kind of. If somebody is, you know, doesn't like the spicy stuff, that takes away a little bit more by adding that cream cheese in there. And if you wanted to get real technical, you could actually wrap that thing in bacon too, get it to where it's crispy, just adds another flavor profile to it. But I almost feel like the bacon kind of takes away, like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, bacon's such powerful with all the smoke and with all the cure and the seasoning to it that sometimes it can overtake it. But yeah, like you said, just add that barbecue to the outside. Oof. That's that's a home run right there. I'll I'm gonna be looking for those on this table. <laughs> All right, Andy, we got Take a guy a on we got a guy on first and second. You got to bring him home. What bunions. do we got? <laughs> I'll bring some onions and Dr Pepper. <laughs> oh man, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not probably as big of a cook as these two are. Um, you know, I make my my normal steaks and different things. You know, on the Blackstone and and those different things. But I will say, one of my favorites, and I think since my whole family ate them and would eat them. Um, turkey nuggets, um, you know, just fresh turkey breast cut up, you know, in nugget size chunks, um, pretty simple flour, um, breadcrumbs, um, you know, get a good mixture there, uh, coat them real good and just kind of really pan fry them. Honestly, um, it's the only way I'll eat turkey. I'm, I'm a big, uh, Lowry seasoning. I literally will put it on everything. Can't go wrong. I mean, it goes on. I literally, there's a joke. One of my good friends, Pat, uh, it's like, hey, uh, what's on that steak? Lowry's? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I literally will put it on everything. Um, So that goes in the mixture. Um, Just pan fry them. Just nice golden nugget. Um, I made some. It's kind of like an imitation Chick-fil-A sauce. Kind of like that. I think it's like, uh, like the honey mustard. Some honey, Worcestershire sauce. I I can't recall it from the top of my head, but uh, I'm not gonna lie. I Google recipe to find it and uh, make a little dipping sauce for it and fresh turkey breast uh, nuggets. Nuggets. Oh, I get. Your family has ruined the way I eat wild turkey because that's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Al- Russell and Albert did the first time I ever ate wild turkey. 
and it was so good. It's, yeah. I don't want to eat it any other way now. I, I love it. it, it you want to try something new, but at the same time, you can't get away from the nug. Well, that you is... only get so much. Like Right. You right. kill a turkey a year, and we're not even lucky to do that all the time. Right. You're like, I don't want to mess this up. I got one shot here. <laughs> I, I, I actually do it one breast at a time to make sure I don't screw it up. Yeah. And that way I have one left if I need to tweak it. So I don't cook both of them at the same time. There you go. Hey, there's a pro move right there. Do one and then hold the other back until you perfect it out. That's right. a great tip there, Andy. Uh, great submission, by the way. Again, I don't I don't think turkey's been touched yet by anybody. So, yeah, you, you're coming out oh, the lone species there of turkey. Gentlemen, this has been great. I, I thank you for all your submissions. This has been an awesome conversation. Um, Nathan, go ahead and just give us, a, uh, my listeners here, how can – how can we follow along with Missouri Woods and Waters? Where can we contact you? Where can we engage with you guys? Yeah, uh, you can find us on any podcasting platform, just like you'd find any other podcast you listen to. You can search us out, Missouri Woods and Water, on that. Or we are on the Sportsman's Empire feed as well. We're part of the, the Empire Network, um, so check us out on any of those. Our social is pretty easy to find. Instagram, Facebook, Go Wild. Search Missouri Woods and Water, and you will find us. Excellent, excellent. Well, hold on, fellas. I'm going to let our listeners on out. Folks, what a great night that it's been. We've had a great chance to just talk with some fellas here on just loving the outdoors and bringing our brothership together that, you know, we go and we do these things a, as, a, as a pursuit of our own hobbies, but at the same time, what a way for us to build into each other and just to have a load of fun along the way. And, of course, a lot of fun happens when you're filling your bellies. And here we've got three awesome submissions onto our ongoing series here uh, at the Emperor's Table. So whether you're going to be getting after a beef tongue or trying out deer tongue for the first time, or you're going to be trying to perfect your turkey nuggets, whichever way you're going to go, make sure that when you're approaching that protein that your knife is very sharp.